Are you there, God? It's us, Sid King and Becca Stevenson. Welcome to the Good Girls Gone Sad podcast, where we unpack our childhood drama and try to figure out why we are the way we are. We're here to answer the questions, what made you good and what makes you sad? We are so excited because we have a really special guest with us this week, Christy Cello. Christy is a stand-up comedian and comedy educator based in New York City. She is a co-founder of the Laughed Her Collective, an educational organization dedicated to amplifying women and diversity using techniques of comedy. She currently teaches at Sarah Lawrence University and works for the nonprofit organization Stand Up Girls, an after-school program that teaches stand-up comedy to girls in underserved communities. You can see her perform this Thursday in New York City, April 27th. Doors open at 7 p.m. The show will be at 8 at Littlefield in Brooklyn. Christy Cello, A Working Title, is her newest solo show, presented by Nicole Byer, who Christy opens for nationally. And it's been described by Broadway World as Christy's most profound work to date. Sid and I are so excited to hear Christy tell us more about her show, and we will absolutely be there on Thursday, so make sure you get your tickets. Welcome, Christy. We're so excited to have you. So we will dive right in. Um, Christy, we would love to know what is your good girl origin story? What made you a good girl? Oh my gosh. Um, oh, we're, we're jumping right in. I've always been a good girl. I think my origin story has a lot to do with my older sister. I think a lot of good girls who have older like siblings who were good just felt like they needed to be good so I could compare. So my older sister honestly was a scholar and an athlete and perfect in every way so I had my work cut out for me in in trying to be sort of as good as good as she was but like I just yeah I'm also a perfectionist so like from a young age I just it wasn't enough to like even be good I wanted to be like a great girl like I wanted to be dare I say the best girl we both relate to that extremely hard. We both have older sisters. I have a sister and a brother, both of whom were good. So we are, Sid and I are both the youngest, and Sid's older sister is similarly, like, good at lots of things, well-behaved, very involved. So we were, like, relating so hard over here. Oh, I love it. It's so true. It's like, you know, but even, I, I think, though, even if my older sister was like a massive fuck up I think that I would still want to be good like words of affirmation is my love language so I just constantly need like validation that I'm like honestly good on some level right it's not like the word good but it's words that are good words that's actually so interesting I've never thought about like what is the most good girl love language and it's 100% words of affirmation or maybe acts of service like which way does love languages go like if you say my love language is acts of service that means you want acts of service or your language you speak is the service great question I think that's a really good question I think that I think your love language is the way you want people to love you. Okay. I think because like my partner, he would not be words of affirmation. He would probably be quality time. So I think Mm -hmm. that's his love language and my love language is what I want, which is without a shadow of a doubt, words of affirmation. 
I think that's, yeah, I think that's like a good girl's MO. Definitely. If you get criticism though, like how do you respond to criticism? Oh my God. So I like to think that I'm good with criticism. I grew up doing a ton of theater. Welcome to the club. (laughs) Thank you so much. Um, Filling a musical theater void with stand-up comedy is um, a very welcomed, very understood um, place here. It's a good girl pathway for sure. (laughs) For sure. That or um, dance. Yeah, I was a dancer. I was musical theater. Cover it all. I wish that I were a dancer. Um, I wish I had that talent. I can't. I mean, your profile picture. Oh yes! Oh my God! Thank you. I mean, I was a dancer at the age of six. Um, really it counts. Talented. We count it. Was a dancer. Was a dancer. You were in a tutu. Yes, I think theme. so. Some kind of a tutu. It was like a ballet inspired outfit. <laughs> Original ballet core. <laughs> oh my God! And it's funny too because like that picture, which I love, I did dance because my older sister did dance. But I actually, as a kid, had like crippling stage fright, which is bonkers. Like, so there were there's videotapes of me at like dance recitals, and I would either run off the stage or I would just like stand there, kind of frozen. So it's really bonkers that I'm like such a performer now. But but yeah, yeah, I don't know why I kind of went off on that tangent. But but yeah, so why did I even bring up musical theater? Oh, were we talking about criticism? Is that where that came from? Oh. <laughs> Thank you so much, Becca. You're a good girl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking notes. <laughs> um, yeah, so I used to, and my mom was kind of like a stage mom. So she was kind of critical. And like from a young age, I got a lot of notes. So I like to think that I'm good with constructive criticism. However, like I'm good at taking it and applying it, but like I will secretly beat myself up for like mm-hmm. not being perfect. Do you have yes. the same thing with like if someone praises you and you don't think you deserved it, you're like, don't say that. Like, no, I did it. I did a bad <laughs> job. Like, just let me do poorly. <laughs> Honestly, no. I <laughs> love <laughs> I love it. I take I take compliments very well. I'll receive them. I thrive on them. And no, I've never in my life been like, I don't deserve that compliment. That's amazing. Well, I, that sounds I iconic. Heard, um, like when I did improv, they're like, you win as a team or you lose as a team. And sometimes I'm like, no, it was Greg's fault. Like, <laughs> it was Greg's fault. Or, or if it was my fault, I'm like, I did a bad job. Just like, Guys, I understand. I did a bad job. Just like, let me do a bad job. Don't tell me it's fine. Let me sit in this pain. <laughs> the thing I did, I ruined my high school's comedy sports match. Like, that's a big deal to me. Like, I need to grieve this. <laughs> Are you sure it wasn't Greg? Because there's always a Greg who's fucking up at improv. That's I'm like, Greg, if you don't work on your, if you don't <laughs> fix your object work, you're out. <laughs> zip zap zap. More like zip zap stop, Greg. You fucking suck. <laughs> oh my god incredible the first time I ever did stand-up I did a class and so I had a bunch of friends in the audience and I got really nervous because my teacher was like oh bring your friends because they'll laugh and then I was like 
well, what if they laugh when I'm not funny because they don't want me to feel bad? And then I never know if I was bad. And then I'm like three years into comedy. I'm like, maybe they still think I was bad. And I, it really was like a big thing that I worried about. And finally, my therapist was like, I am not a stand-up comedian, but I do firmly believe that you will know if people are fake laughing or not. <laughs> she was like, it's pretty obvious. Like you will be able to tell if it's pity laugh. And also I was like, afterwards people were like surprised. So I was like, okay, that means I did good because they assumed I was going to do badly. <laughs> Wait, yeah, that's actually a great point. Christy, you like teach a lot of first time standups. I do, which is, so- I love, love, love teaching. And it's funny because I'm also a really easy laugh. So some of my students will kind of be like, okay, well, are you really? Because I just, I appreciate, and and I know how hard it is, especially to do it for the first time. And I want to be very encouraging and very supportive. In more advanced classes, I'm definitely more critical, but I'm definitely like straight up laughing at everyone. And, and I think some, they can be like, Christy, do you really think that's funny? Or are you just being nice? <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I do teach stand up, which is bonkers. I love it so much. I never thought that I would love it this, this much. I kind of like fell into it and I was like, oh, I'll take it. I'll take this as like a paycheck and kind of keep it moving. And I'm pretty obsessed with it. Like I'm pretty obsessed with just studying stand up. I've always studied stand up and I think over the past like 5 years the business has changed so much and it's so like just even you know even in the past couple years with the kind of blow up of of putting these bite-sized clips on TikTok or Instagram and it, it fascinates me kind of where it's come you know where it came from and where it's going and I'm really passionate about like amplifying women and diversity and stand-up I want like different voices I want to amplify different voices so yeah I I'm really really into it I'm a big nerd like I love studying and like you know really challenging myself to articulate why I think something's funny as opposed to like Oh, it, it, it just made me laugh. Like, I just think it's funny. It's like, why? Why do you laugh at something harder than other things? I think it's so fascinating. Wow. And so you think it's making you a better comedian teaching? I'm yes. Sure. Yeah. A big time, big time. I think that like, I do think, cause it's easier. Like, I don't know if you have this in your friendship, but like, it's easier to look at someone else and almost be like, oh, I get your persona and like, oh, I know who this person is and like, oh, I can think of a tag for their joke, but your material, it's so personal. And sometimes Mm -hmm. if you just need, I think it's a lot harder to edit my own work than it is to edit my students and to to kind of articulate what I think they could improve on. But of course, it's much harder to do it for yourself. Yeah, that's definitely true. I think... It is so fascinating how stand-up has changed and the attitudes around it. Like, I've told Sid this before, but I went on some dates years ago with this guy who was like a stand-up fanatic, which then I was like, I'll never do that again. Um, But (laughs) he, he told me, he listened to all these comedy podcasts and he told me, he was like, you only get up 
twice a week. Well, these people I follow go, they said I had to get up five times a night and I was just doing the Greenwich village circle and you know, you have to grind. And I was like, well, I have all this other stuff that I'm doing, but apparently it doesn't count. And I just feel like the pandemic just shook everything up and has made people, I'm sure there are still some people who feel that way, that if you're not going to five open mics a night, you're failing. But um, I don't know. I felt like it allowed for a lot of grace to come into the stand-up world where it's like your stand-up can be different from someone else's and in a different space and it's still worthwhile. And, you know, I don't know. A lot of people are very just right off the internet comedy and things like that. And I'm like, people are creating really cool stuff on the internet. So you shouldn't just write it off because it's not what whoever famous person you look up to did. Absolutely. I think that's really smart. I think it's really well said. I agree. I have the same thing where if I, I have friends that like, if they don't know somebody from the internet, they like almost don't think they're a real comedian. And I'm like, I know it's it's really bonkers like I think that it definitely was you know sort of ingrained in a lot of comics like I would say my generation and before that like you have to get up x amount of times a night and just but like hustle culture as a concept is is not uh the goal anymore like it's not this kind of rise and grind I'll sleep when I'm dead because it's not it's toxic and it's not sustainable and I think like the proof is is that people are carving their own paths and I think that like people yeah maybe you had to you know so-and-so had to do eight open mics a night because they had like the personality of a blank piece of paper. It's like, you know what I mean? Maybe that's like what you had to do, John. But like, that doesn't mean that everyone has to do that. And hey, I'm just always weary of anyone, anyone, even though I teach it. It's like anyone that's like, you have to do this is such a red flag. Cause that just, that just means like your eyes aren't open. If you really think that there's just one way to, to be successful at this or one path, there's never been more ways to do this. And there's never been more of like an open-ended definition to what comedy is and stand up as an art, like between the rise of like even musical comedy and absurd comedy and surrealism, like it's not set up punch, like you know, take my wife, please. Like, it's not these like one liners that it, that it, that it used to be very one thing in like, you know, seventies and eighties. And now it's so, it's so different. So, you know, but that's always how it is. It's like the older generation is going to look at the younger generation and be like, Oh, back in my day, like <laughs> we did it this way, but it's like, we'll be on the outside looking in. It's like, we got to keep up with the times, you know? And I think, it's good to do social media stuff like, you know, to each their own. I think some people are exceptional at it. And I think that that's amazing. And I think other other people kind of turn to it out of this sort of like, you know, this kind of desperate need to like stay relevant. And you can always kind of see like who's naturally just like killing it and really good mm -hmm. at what they're doing and, and who's just kind of trying really hard to be like, I can do it too. It's a tricky, it's tricky to navigate. So I think like defining your own relationship with everything from stand up to social media, 
it's like you gotta everyone should figure it out for themselves because it's such a personal thing yeah I think I think it's almost trickier for somebody like me I won't speak for y'all but I like to see a path and I like to know how to be successful Mm -hmm. and that was my thing with college it was like I knew where I wanted to go and I pretty much knew what I needed to do to get in and that's not true for like anything in life (laughs) and so you can't do that to be successful in any career really and especially not in stand-up especially now as things and I felt like I was kind of on a path before the pandemic and then the pandemic happened and that path got totally overturned and then I realized it was not the right path for me to be on I didn't need to be doing bringer shows three times a week (laughs) like so I it's just so interesting the anxiety that comes from the thing that also should bring you hope of like you can figure it out your own way but also I want you to tell me how to do it (laughs) Totally. I think that's really well said. It's like, yeah, it almost reminds me of, you know, like in school, speaking of kind of being a good girl too, it's like any kind of assignment that's really open-ended is like meant to be, I guess, encouraging, right? Like anything goes, but I am similar to you, Becca, where I'm like, no, I would like direction. Like, do you want it two pages? Do you want it one? Do you want this? And I, so I definitely feel similarly and I think that like yeah I I have a lot of empathy for comedians like you because from what I just learned like who were starting right before the the pandy and then didn't necessarily have the time to like I don't know I don't want to say like establish themselves and I'm not speaking no it's true specifically but like that that's that had I mean it was hard for all of us obviously but it's especially hard to kind of like find your footing when things are virtual and that must have been very hard because because community is such an important aspect of this too and just lack of community and just being left with like your own fucking vices like wondering what you're doing <laughs> brutal um I would love to know if there are any other things you think like being a good girl has like either helped or hindered your comedy career oh wow that's a great question oh that's a great question so it definitely has hurt me more than it's helped me significantly I would say because I think something that's such a good question that I've like never been asked okay Um, maybe I do like words of affirmation (laughs) actually thank you (laughs) like it's really interesting to think about it because it speaks to like being it speaks to like whether you follow the rules in this business or whether you like make your own and I think I think that well I think the thing in the past that I've been the most guilty of is comparing myself to other people which thank god I did a lot of therapy and time to just get over that completely but like for the longest time, my career just consisted of like looking, looking at what other people were doing and just thinking, oh, like, well, I, I kind of came up with that person. So I guess I should want that goal. Not even always necessarily jealousy, although it's definitely jealousy sometimes, but like a perfect example is just for laughs, like the new faces of comedy. I had heard that little nugget and I just became obsessed with it. 
it's like I when I when I first started comedy, I didn't even know that festival existed. I didn't know it was a thing. And all of a sudden I was obsessed with being a new face of comedy. And looking back, it was like there's so many times where I have to ask myself, did I ever really want that or did I just think I needed that? And and that's been because, you know, yeah, I don't know how that really speaks to being like, also, I think I'm just too much of a rule follower. Like, I've heard really inspiring stories in this business where, like, people have said, oh, you can't do that joke or don't do it this way or don't do crowd work and comics, like, kind of listening to their, you know, artistic integrity or whatever it is inside of them have been like, no, fuck that. Like, I'm going to do what I do. I have more of that now, but I used to never have that. I used to be like, oh, I can't say that? Okay, I won't. Like, I think I just, I think it's also realizing with time and, like, experience that, like, nobody knows what they're doing. It's like these gatekeepers and these people that are seemingly so important don't know what they want. Like, they don't know funny. Like, we know funny. And it's taken me my whole life to realize, like, I'm the person that knows how to be funny, not this executive, not this person that's trying to make this work. So, yeah, but I think in general, look, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. but I think I, I think I, I wish I followed less rules. I think it would have been a bit more, like, courageous and also more authentic, because I think I would have just, like, listened to what I wanted better. Um, do you consider yourself a people pleaser? Yes, I used to be majorly all my life major people pleaser. Like I remember when I first years ago learned about the word pandering, and I was like, and and I heard it in the context of like, oh, that comic just like panders to the audience, and I remember I was like, what's pandering? I think I like googled it, and I was like, oh my god, that's all I do is pander like I would be like oh you like you know like I like I'm really easily swayed I want people to like me so much that I would abandon my sense of self like I could have material about how I love Beyonce but then if my audience hates Beyonce I'm like oh fuck Beyonce like (laughs) I'm like who am I like that used to be who I was I've done that too. It's, it's sometimes like also if you're in a job interview and you just like tell a lie randomly and you're like, I don't even know where that came from. Um, can I tell you why I asked if you were a people pleaser? Yes. Because your name in the chat is Christy Cello exclamation point. And I am Sid King exclamation point a lot of places because I'm like, I want you to know I'm happy to be here. Like, I'm excited. Like my energy will be up. I am like the life of the party. Like you need to know. Yes. But that's, I'm here to do the thing that is fun. I'm like a fun person and we're going to have a good time. And that is a threat. Like, oh my God, a hundred percent. That's how I feel about when I put like people, I've actually like stopped doing it because I'm like, I think it, um, maybe for me, it's like not necessarily like good. Um, but still, like in video games, my avatars, they'll be named Sid King Exclamation Point. Um, <laughs> I but, love it. Like minded. I'm totally the same way. Like, I feel like I have to, like, bring a lot of energy because I naturally have energy, 
which I'm happy about, but then it can also be like, I feel like now I'm expected to be energetic and happy and on and smiley all the time. And that's kind of why I'm excited about this new show I'm doing is because it's a little bit less of that, which will either be a really good thing. I was talking to Becca a bit before, or it'll just feel so awkward and then I'll never want to do it again. But, (laughs) but um, it's, it's very much like, I, I compare it to like an acoustic performance almost. That's like what it feels like. A Taylor Swift secret session. I was just going to say Taylor's version. <laughs> a hundred, that's what this is. A hundred percent. That's really cool. I'm sure it'll be amazing. I feel like that's, I don't know. I, that's when people often make their breakthroughs is when you get a little bit more raw. And I mean, I'm certainly not there beyond this podcast either. So I'm constantly like, I can write about that thing or probably not. <laughs> but I do think like watching it, you're like, oh my gosh, that is so much more powerful than just wordplay or whatever you might, whatever I normally lean towards is just like, what funny thing can I say? Not what true totally. thing can I say? Uh, so well said. I agree. And like, I, I know that I like when people get really vulnerable, but the interesting thing about this is it's been like... Because even though anyone that does stand up, like we're talking about ourselves, right? Like it's pretty, sometimes it feels like really self-serving and I'm like, oh, I'm so like self-centered. Like I'm always just talking about myself. And I feel like with this show, more than once I've been like, is this like too self-serving? Like because it's, it's a bit more serious in tone, I've worried that it won't connect as much, but I think the reality and the hope is that it connects even more because it is, it is vulnerable, but that's also, I guess you're right. It's like the, it's, it's, it almost feels like graduating a little bit because like, you know, when we first start comedy, we all talk about the same things. It's all like the subway and the breakup <laughs> and New York is crazy. Like it's and getting just, dumped on the subway yeah, <laughs> in New York. Yes. Like all of it. <laughs> Like it's very kind of surface level because that's what's there. And then slowly over time, we get deeper because we learn more about ourselves too. So mm-hmm. it makes sense. But um, but yeah, I'm excited. I'm a little nervous, but I'm mostly also, it's just honestly, it's a big swing. And at this point, that does make me feel proud because I'm like, all right, I, I know at this point that like I know my strengths. I know what I'm what I'm comfortable doing and I know what I'm uncomfortable doing. And so I think that in order to, to improve or grow, I have to keep challenging myself to get a little uncomfortable or else I'll, or else I'll just be here forever. And I, and so I'm like, all right, let me at least try this. And like, no, thankfully I have like, like a relationship with the venue and people who, you know, believe in me. So I have some, I feel lucky to be able to to put this up and feel like it's a little bit low stakes, you know, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, I'm excited. 
it like Lily, Becca, and I were like immediately we saw the premise and like the title. I know it's working title, but in my mind, maybe I created this title. I don't know. But we were like, oh my god, we have to like this is this is the good girls gone sad the the hour like this is like <laughs> everything you're saying. We were like we're pro- we're both probably sitting here like gripping our knees like yes, we love <laughs> we love all of this because especially like the growing and like get like once you. Like, you're like, I know I'm too comfortable with this thing. Like, I have to push myself further. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm proud of you. I barely know you, but I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I was too. I was like, I'm also really proud. I'm just so excited for Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you both so much. That makes me, I really do appreciate it. Like, I, I it's so sincere. Like, I feel so lucky like it's funny because I don't want to make it seem like I don't have more aspirations (laughs) like this is kind of all because like I I do but I think it's like I can't believe anyone like buys I mean I can but like I'm I just am so grateful that anyone buys tickets like it is hard like I don't buy tickets to just like go see people all the time and so you know and I have friends that are hugely successful who like sell out weekends and like arenas and if I I'm not there but if I get like you know any if I have like a decent crowd at little you know Littlefield in Brooklyn I'll feel I just think it's amazing I'm so thankful for anyone that buys a ticket to come, come to the show I really am Okay, listeners, so if you would like a word of affirmation from Christy, go over to the link in the show notes and buy a ticket right now. And then after, DM her and tell her your words of affirmation about the show. Yeah. <laughs> and have a feedback loop. Yeah, we'll do a words, words of affirm for each other. Just affirming and affirming and affirming and it'll be great. Um, well, we do ask a second question um, on the podcast. So we asked, what was your good girl origin story? So it's like, what makes you good and what makes you sad If you or made you sad? Like where you are currently kind of with your life, if you want to speak about that. Yeah, of course. No, of course. Also, you girls are so professional too. Like I'll just say like your like pre-show emails are like so thorough. <laughs> Well, so good. Gotten, like you make sure gotten, your guests are comfortable, which is really nice. They've gotten more and more thorough because at the beginning we just threw these questions at people, and for a while people like got it. They were like, "Yeah, I know what made me sad." This specific event, and then we got to a point where people were like, "I don't super know what that very vague question means." And we were like, "Okay, that's cool. That's cool." But we, yeah, Sid and I are just both like we're like whatever you want to talk about at any time and if you don't want to talk about something or if you want to take it out we'll take it out it's yeah, probably yeah. our people please are coming out mm-hmm. but <laughs> we also like we know how like oh, like how open and vulnerable we get and like yeah. we're not even like we're, we really don't want to do like any kind of gotcha or anything like of course um and I think our listeners would be upset if we did they'd be like that was a mean thing to say don't say that <laughs> 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 I feel like they're both on said too. They're like, don't don't do it like that. So um, we just like want to make sure everybody's comfortable. But yeah, that's our people pleaser, hundred percent. And also, I will say, we were really excited to have you. So we we are on our game today. This is like <laughs> this is like us performing at the top level. That's our true. That's very true. I'm so I'm honestly honored. Um, completely honored, truly. And I'll go. I'll go with with this. I experienced. I talk about it in the show, but grief 
last year. I guess it'll be it'll be two years in August, which is bonkers. But um, my mom, who my mom passed away like very suddenly, and none of us really saw it coming. It was really kind of tragic, and we were so close. And she was such a part of my life. So like anyone that knows me. It was such a blow. Um, and so I, I'd been really lucky prior to that and that I had not really experienced grief. Like I've had like grandparents pass away and not that that's not a grief, but they were like really old, like, it was, you know, and so, but so yeah, so that, oh my God, rocked my world. I really look at my life like before that and after that, like I am a completely different person it has just it has changed me completely and I definitely though like I think what's interesting about the show is I remember maybe like six months or so after it happened I I slowly got into performing and I had tried to not talk about it a little bit but like I'm, it's really interesting what my boundaries are with it. Like I've learned a lot of like what I'm willing to talk about and what I'm not willing to talk about. And I tried to talk about some stuff and it crashed and burned and it felt awful and I hated it. And then I took even more of a break from stand up. Um, so the show explores that a little bit. And also, so I'm a Christian, which is bonkers. Um, and I was like, so mad at God. And I still am like a little bit because I had never had my like faith really tested. And I was just like, pissed and angry. But thankfully, I can honestly say and I I don't know if it's this way for everyone. The first year I remember I felt relief after the first year. Because I remember just being like, oh, I got through all the firsts. Like, even actually, that's kind of a lie. I got through all the major firsts because I, I still discover firsts that I'm like, oh, I didn't know that was going to be a first. But I got through like birthdays, holidays, like, and then it was after the first year that I really felt like, okay-ish. That was a big thing. So, so I'm definitely better now, but it's like this weird, like sadness that like never like leaves, you know. And I'm, I, I, I look at anyone that's lost anyone now so differently. I think that I'd really like. I don't think you can understand it until it, like happens. I guess <laughs> it's really heavy. I know. <laughs> I think the one year thing is really beautiful really interesting way to think about it because you do I've never experienced well really until this year I'd never lost anyone and I lost some of my grandparents and that was hard but you don't I can't even compare that to what you've experienced but thinking about it in terms of like all of those firsts I mean you always think about people on Christmas and things like that so that's a really I don't know it's a beautiful way of thinking about it when you've gotten through the firsts and you can say okay well I can be relax a little bit because I know that the worst, worst part hopefully is over. Yeah. yeah. And it really is bonkers. It's just like, you think that like, it's just interesting. Like I would have thought, I don't know, just these things that you really think are going to like ruin you. Like you can't 
fathom whether it's like you know a parent or a sibling or a partner or somebody where you're like oh I couldn't like it just is so I could not have fathomed that I could get through it mm-hmm. and I but but like you do that's the thing that's crazy is like you do and then I got really weird about mortality for a while and I was like we're all gonna die like things got a little dark <laughs> but <laughs> it's a weird it's it's just yeah it's been you know there have been realizations that I guess I'm stronger than I than I thought but also like being angry because like it's like well that's like a shitty compliment you know it's like oh you're so strong it's like mm-hmm. well fuck you like I don't want to be strong you know mm-hmm. what I mean it's like that's just what I don't you know so it, it it's so complicated it's, it's like and- the um this say this I think it's like a southern saying it's like you don't know how strong a woman is until you put her in a like a pot of hot water like then it turns into tea and it's like I actually loved being a tea bag being a tea bag was amazing and now people are <laughs> sipping from me all the time like I didn't need to steep I was perfectly fine and you're the one that put me in the hot water okay <laughs> yes and just like, being like oh like God doesn't give you more than what you can handle it's like <sighs> well I don't want to like handle like Mm-hmm. enough and then it mm-hmm. and then it's it's you know everything everything and just how it like especially a mom who's like such a matri- like just just the mom and the family like she was our family so our family had to like figure out how to function mm-hmm. without and and just like my dad like it, it, everything about my they were high school sweethearts mm-hmm. and it was just so we're still like very much like in it and kind of yeah it's just so weird it's such a weird thing but we can all you know we all are connected in that way even though I wish we weren't I guess but we are yeah how did you kind of figure out what your boundaries were I know you said you felt like you went a step far but especially with this show where you kind of wanted to be more vulnerable but then you don't want to get to a place where it's you know, harmful. How did you figure that out for this show? I think this is like a a few different ways. One, which is kind of hard to like, it's, it's less tangible, but like really kind of trusting like your intuition and your gut. Like if it ever got really sad, I would stop. If I ever got upset, I would stop. And that's kind of what I tell students too when they're kind of tackling anything really hard is like, if the process genuinely upsets you, like you have to put pencils down and then revisit it maybe and see, but like something inside of you is, it's not sitting well with it. So I think I, I think, you know, I, I had that knowledge of like really listening to myself, but also I learned really quickly too that like, I'm I'm very good, I think, at like keeping it about me and my story. So like I I do not tell my father's story or my sister's story. Um, so that has always felt like a boundary. But also like like I never say how she died, and I never talk about that, and I never talk about like that those details or details about like my family like because it's honestly not important 
it, it, it's just the, re- the relationship is important and, you know, symbolic. So that was, that was helpful too, is just to, you know, like it's easier to, you know, loss or grief as a concept and, and, and you know, drawing sort of comparisons and, and the relationship with a mom as a concept, like all of these, almost like zooming out is how I started and then I would kind of, and then I found a lot of humor like the the humor and the specifics comes from you know like happy funny kind of like stories we had and realizations that I've had honest you know honest sort of epiphanies where like for example like so many people are like oh you know if someone dies they have this sense of like YOLO like you only live once, like you have to live to the fullest. And like, I'm going to go skydiving. Like I've had the opposite effect. Like I, I, I want to live the bare minimum amount. And, and so, so I think that it's, you know, that's kind of where I started is what people say about grief and finding humor in and, and that stuff. And then also like things just happen too. Like the role, I'm going off on a tangent now, but like the role that humor and laughter played in helping me has been massive. You know, because even like I had a, I, I reference it in the show, but like I had someone so truly, very sincerely try to connect with me over it and empathize because they had lost their golden retriever. And it was being so serious. And like, look, yes, I lost a dog and it it sucks. That sucks. But it's not the same, Linda. You know, it's like Sparky was a fucking dog. So like stuff like that, where it's like, well, this is funny, no matter how you slice it, is that people are, you know, there's, there is humor to be found everywhere. And and that was like a saving grace for all of us. And we, we would laugh. Yeah, laughter is life-saving and i think not to bring it back to good girls but i'm gonna do that no no do it do it being a good girl it makes everything feel so serious like i just remember how seriously i took everything when i was younger and um like yeah like especially like when you're raised in christianity it's like god is always watching he's all like he's always watching so like everything felt so serious all the time and like even being able to laugh about really like tough tough subjects I think is a beautiful part of the going sad maybe like finding levity and like bringing yourself out of how like hard and serious things can be that like you can you can joke about everything like to whatever level you're comfortable with but I think that's really important which is another reason everyone should buy a ticket and go to Littlefield on Thursday April 27th (laughs) please do please do I would I would yeah but I agree with you 100% um, well, thank you so much for sharing. Is there anything you would like to add to your story? Anything you've missed before we ask for your glossary entry? Oh my God, no, I don't. I don't think so. This has been so it went by so quickly. <laughs> okay, wonderful. Um, well, then, Christy, we would love to ask you for um, an entry to the Good Girl Glossary, which is the definitive list of people, places, and things that make up a good girl. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna say this is. I wonder if anyone listening also had anything similar. So I grew up in Rhode Island and there was this man who his name is Alan Sean Feinstein. 
and he would come around to all the schools in Rhode Island and teach us about doing good deeds. Mm -hmm. And we all had these books and we got stickers when we did good deeds. And that Alan Sean Feinstein, (laughs) and he was like an older man. I'm not sure if he's still alive. He was like an older man when I was in grade school. So, but he, that was really the, the, the catalyst because it wasn't enough for me to, you know, just do a good deed. Like I needed to do more good deeds than anyone. I needed like the most stickers in my book and like, I needed like praise for doing the, the goodest deeds one could do. So I don't know if the, if the words should be, because I know it's person, places, or things. I guess I'm conflicted between Alan Sean Feinstein, whose name is pretty funny, or good deeds. I might say it should be Alan Sean Feinstein because I feel like the good girl thing about it is that you were literally like physical reward. Here's a sticker. And like <laughs> that kind of reinforcement is like <sighs> so part of the good girl like energy. <sighs> like, I don't know the kind of menace I would have been to society if I had gotten stickers for doing good deeds. I would have like bothered my parents. I would have been like, did you just litter? And I would be like handing out dollars to every single person I saw on the street, like maybe putting myself in dangerous situations to like get a sticker kind of thing. Um, And I would have been like an absolute menace to society. So I think like almost like that aura, I did look him up. Um, he has his own, there's, a, there's a middle school named after him. Yes. Now there is. There wasn't when I was growing up, but he's a big deal. And I think his daughter, he has a daughter now named, or he has a daughter named Layla. Layla might have continued the good deed legacy. And this was a big fucking deal in Rhode Island and maybe even like Massachusetts. Like, I don't know if it was a New England thing, but he was huge. And I, oh yeah, I I really, it was problematic because I got too into it. I got too into it and and yeah it was bad and like we would we would get like pizza parties if our class had more good deeds than other classes so like there were pizza was on the line it was serious <laughs> I think well, many also- a good girl has gone astray due to the promise of a pizza party <laughs> <laughs> of course of course listeners please submit the worst thing you did to get a pizza party <laughs> because I think Yes. Like, I can almost think of two scenarios myself. That was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that is a perfect submission. Um, really Becca, good. do you second? Yes, I second it, but I also, I'd like to tell a little anecdote because okay. um, the other day, I no, literally yesterday, yeah, I was walking down the street and I saw this collection of children. There was, like, probably four little kids on scooters. They were, like, four years old to six years old, maybe. And this little boy like went out onto the street to grab a piece of trash. And the mom or the woman with them like pulled him back and was like, do not go into the street. And the little girls start yelling, but it's Earth Day. We have to save the planet. And the the mom was like, yes, that is true. But if going into the street and touching trash is the way to do it, then we're not going to do that. And it was literally, they were just screaming it. I could hear them all the way down the street. It was cracking me up. 
Oh, man. oh, what a good kid. Is it a girl? It was a little girl. That's a good girl. We got to get her on the mom. boy going for the trash, but the girls were cheering him on. Like that so seriously. That is such mm-hmm. a good girl. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Christy, good girl is not really gendered. It's more like a state of mind. Oh, I love that. I yeah. love that. So it's an, he, yeah. It's an yeah. energy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. Anyone can identify as a good girl. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And we've even like determined the fact that like being a good girl is different than being a good boy. Like there is a different energy and anybody can feel it. So oh, I love that. I love that. I support. Oh my gosh. But I'm like, we get we should have given that kid a sticker. We have good girls come set stickers. So. <laughs> I know. Because <laughs> like, if I see him again. Girl. <laughs> that's another thing that like um is really the going sad aspect like for me being a good girl was like, everything was so black and white and that's why I loved mm. being a good girl like that's the big thing about rule following and then yeah. if you like introduce any ounce of nuance to me I'm like I either deflect or I'm like uh, uh, doesn't compute like that doesn't work like that yes. um, I get that I get that yeah. really hard <laughs> um well okay I second Becca, you third at this point. Yes, I third the nomination of Alan Child okay. Feinstein. Perfect. Amazing. It's entered officially. <laughs> I'm honored. And so is Alan Sean Feinstein. This, this sounds so specific that I'm like, we're going to get a DM about it and be like, I cannot believe someone brought up Alan Sean Feinstein. Like, <laughs> I hope so. It's also like know. my generation. I'm a little older than you. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering if, but I mean, I hope that what at least one of your listeners knows Alan Sean Feinstein. Well, what I, I also feel like I'm compelled to say this when you said, I don't know if you've had somebody that came around your schools and I was like, to talk about heavy drug use, to talk about that's heavy drug use. Yeah. Exactly where I thought it was going. And I was like, I feel yeah. like that's our generation is the Alan Sean Feinsteins created um, over anxious parents that created um, kids are doing drugs or they don't even know that they're doing drugs. They're just going to find something on the street and they're going to take it and they're doing drugs. Like we had. Um, I went to a Catholic high school. I went to Catholic school like my whole career until I went to like a public um, university. Um, but like at my Catholic high school, they had this guy come up, come and talk about like smuggling black tar heroin in a balloon <laughs> in the And literally, I'm like, I like, I couldn't even follow the story because I didn't understand the mechanics of drug use at all. And then and like the whole thing, he's a motivational speaker because he was um, a professional basketball player that like ended up like becoming a mule and we were all like none of us are professional like none of us are going to succeed that like that well like I don't know if we have to worry about that I'm not very tall so I don't see this in my future <laughs> I don't really see how this replies to me so that's really funny it was like, it's like it wasn't scared straight it was scared confused just yes. scared and confused yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah okay well perfect perfect entry you crushed it um now Becca would you like to introduce the game I would yes so every episode we write what we call a silly little game and um we write it specifically for the person so we did some digging (laughs) into your interests and so anything that you posted about on Instagram basically is fair game um for this (laughs) game so we have created like an extremely random game what's the name of the game called would you sad there <laughs> and it's just would you rather <laughs> just uh, we mm-hmm. used to like have really good names like we did a really good job with them and now they're just like replacing part of a word with sad and 
that's where it's we are hard in life. To keep thinking of new games. That's well, hard. Because it's we, we create the game, we write the game, we name the game. We even have um, the name of the game is so important to us that we have trademarked them one, a silly little game, and two, we play <laughs> ABBA's, a little clip from ABBA's What's the Name of the Game before we introduce the name of the game. <laughs> So it's no way name first, content second, but sometimes we do content yeah. first, so then the name will suffer. Uh, but <laughs> we did recently, we used to do a lot of trivia, and then we found out that it was making people really anxious that they didn't know the answers. And we were like, no, 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 this is very random trivia. There's no need for you to know it. It's just funny, and it caused people a lot of stress. So we've moved away from that. <laughs> we moved away. Sometimes we'll throw in a little bit of trivia if um, we're like trivia. an expert on something. But yeah. Mm-hmm. So oh, I'm excited. I love games. I love this. I'm really excited. Great. Okay. Uh, Becca, would you like to go first? Yes. Okay. So which show would you rather get dropped into with no time to prepare? Project Runway or American Idol? Oh, American Idol. Easily. Do I would I think I would do very well on American Idol. Nice. I honestly, I feel like I know, oh yeah, I'm familiar with the show. I'm familiar with expectations. Project Runway, I, I could, I don't know how to sew. I don't, I, I don't like fashion. I would be terrible at that show. So easy American Idol, even though I don't like it anymore, but I used to love it. Um, okay. So follow-up question. Yes. What reality TV show do you think you could win with no preparation? If you take American uh, Idol out, but you're like, Oh, that like I could absolutely win that. In winning, also um, we can include like if you think you would do really well on Vanderpump Rules, like that counts as winning. <laughs> yes. Okay, so does it have to be like an actual competition? No, it does not. No. Can I make up my own show? Does it have to be a show that exists? Hmm. You can make up your own show. Make up your own show. I think that any show, and it, this is yet to exist. Maybe I should create this. A show where, like, you just have to be really charming and get people to like you. The Bachelor. I think I would win that show. Um, or, or. Um, <laughs> the <laughs> Not to out you or anything. Do you think you're a good liar? Do you think you do well on one of those shows mm. that's, like, where you, like, you have to get people to believe you? A part of me, if I'm on a stage, I hate to say this because now my whole, uh, I'm going to come into question. I think on a stage, I'm like a good enough actor in real life. No, in real life, the mm-hmm. guilt would absolutely destroy me. So if it was like reality show, I could not. But mm-hmm. perhaps if it was performance based mm-hmm. with like no stakes, maybe yes. Okay. Interesting. That makes sense. I love this question. <laughs> um, okay. Moving on to question two. Would you rather, would you sather, have a residency in Vegas, but they call you by the wrong name every single show, or go on a stadium tour, but you have to juggle during your set? <laughs> the residency in Vegas, and I don't care what they call me. That's like a dream gig. That would yeah, be awesome. Yeah, easily. Can, they can call me piece of shit, and I would do it. Piece <laughs> <laughs> of shit. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, a very funny piece of shit. <laughs> the audience that you could like run into Celine Dion would be enough for me. I'd be like, the right? people I could run into here, I am willing to do it. <laughs> I, mean, I think for me, it would be Adele. I'd be like, me and Adele? Yes. I mean, we're actually on the same plane of existence, according to <laughs> some people. So Adele and piece of shit <laughs> together in concert. <laughs> 
you know sometimes it does feel like when you're feeling like really nervous about your set or bad about your set like I sometimes have felt the please welcome to the stage the very funny she's a woman by the way piece of shit <laughs> like she's Nothing so worse. funny you won't even believe how funny a woman can be <laughs> oh my gosh. it's okay. great it's the worst but yes <laughs> okay okay number three would you, Sadther, have your students see a tape of your worst set of all time on the first day of class or sit in the middle seat on a 12-hour flight? Oh, have my students see the worst set ever because I feel like then it's like a redemption story. And it's also <laughs> like a story of like about vulnerability and not being afraid to fail. Like I could spin that into a lesson easily that over the flight. The flight, I know. No, no. <laughs> I would not snap her. <laughs> okay, that's such a beautiful answer and proves you need to be in education. So congrats. <laughs> I know. I was thinking, I was like, I guess if you could spin it into a learning opportunity without being embarrassed, which I would be embarrassed, mm. I think. But if it was for the greater good with a learning oh, opportunity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. oh yeah and I've like I there's so many bonds and I really like I don't think it would embarrass me that much I really don't because I would put it out there it's like who cares especially like and for me too it was like so long ago too but even if it was a recent bomb that's part of it is like mm -hmm. yeah I think that's a good teachable thing I think I would have trouble like I don't know. I, I don't think I care if people would see the bomb, but I would have to be like, and now I have to educate them and earn their respect. Like the respect yeah. that you had coming in as a teacher and then you immediately like strip all of that away would make me really totally. nervous. But um, you're braver I than that. I and that's why I'm not an educator. <laughs> <laughs> I barely even babysit. So <laughs> um, we also know that you're a big Survivor fan. Which oh is my god, yeah. Okay. So one do you think you would do well on Survivor? Absolutely not. No, I would I because would get of the line thing? Yes. Actually, ooh. I think because it's a game and it's the show, even though I just said I'd be really bad on a reality show, I get very competitive. Like mm -hmm. if it's if it's strategy in a competition, oh, I could the people would be oh, I don't know though. I actually feel I just I would do terrible I think I think I think I would do really well but then I would I would make a mistake or I'm almost like too this sounds so stupid but I'm almost like too friendly that mm -hmm. they're gonna be like I don't trust her because she seems like she's like I think I'd almost have to downplay being so smiley and nice I think that would work against me I would be terrible though. I have no survival skills I'd be scared I wouldn't be able to do any challenges. Oh, no. Just the hunger alone. The hunger alone would kill me. It would be like three hours and I'd be like, I got to get off this island. I'm starving. I would be crying. I cry really easily. It would See, be a that means I don't think there was any doubt in anyone's mind, but that 100% means you're a good girl. Like, I think if any good girls out there, like, they're like, oh, I'm a good girl down side. I'm like, do you think you do well in Survivor? That's the level. <laughs> well, the fact and that I'm sitting here being like, I would be so sunburned that I wouldn't be fun to be around. And then I would be worried that the people at home like thought I was mean because I was like being a brat because I was so sunburned. Like that's what would happen. <laughs> yes. 
I would spend the whole time like apologizing and just being like, I'm just really hangry. Like I'm not always like this. Like that would be the entire show. Like you get into the interviews and they want you to talk about people and you're like, okay, so here's the deal. I'm very likable. Everyone loves me normally. (laughs) I'm just having a bad week. Like I would just, I would be unhinged. Um, I think but you see it all the time is what I was going to say earlier. Like the really friendly people, they go to make one strategy move and everyone's like, yeah, we knew like we, like they can't do strategy because they're like so friendly. And like, even if you go to like look for a hidden immunity idol, it's like, I'm so sorry. Do you think you're, Oh, do you thought we we didn't know? Maybe they ever shot. Have you ever thought about shutting the fuck up for four seconds? Because if you would have, you could have just like gone off and I would be so bad at survive. I'd be so bad. Oh yeah, and, Which I, and I would never like say, watching it. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and I could never say I was a performer because then they would write me off as like an actor and not being genuine and mm-hmm. making fake people. So I'd have to come up with like a fake career. I think I'd say I was a teacher of like mm-hmm. kids. People always think I'm like a kindergarten teacher. <laughs> so I think I would just say I'm a kindergarten teacher. I would lie about that for sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, say you did, in fact, make it on for a Survivor Reward Challenge. So, like, the stakes are not that high. I wanted to make that clear. Would you Uh rather get naked? Because one time Jeff did make people get naked for, like, chocolate, and that was kind of weird. Or would you rather eat tree bark? (laughs) I would eat tree bark. I would. would Just because my – for as long as my father is living on this planet, I would not do anything naked for entertainment even if they're blurring <laughs> you out like it's cbs you're blurred <laughs> other point, people actually. are there i don't know <laughs> yeah it depends on how no but like the camera crew and yeah i don't think i would i don't okay. which is crazy but i think i eat tree bark okay and that's fair and that's why it's your would you sather and we're not <laughs> asking ourselves these questions because i honestly don't know the answer and you got a 100 <laughs> percent so much yeah are. um <laughs> Yeah, and congratulations, you won. You won the game. Yes. Oh, my God. I wanted to win so bad. Thank you so much. So would you say champion? <laughs> would you say they champion? You're champion yes. for sitting through it. Um. Okay, the last little segment of our podcast is we like to say we, we pass the offertory plate, um, which is anything you would like to promote, that any, anything that anybody can put a little money into. Oh, or where to find your own thing. Metaphorically. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or literally. Or literally, if you. (laughs) You know what? I would love if you could come to the show Thursday at Littlefield, April, wait, Thursday, April 27th, 8 p.m. It's going to be a great show. And yeah, I would love for you to come to that. And where can we find you on socials if we're looking for you? Oh, yeah. At Christy Cello or ChristyCello.com my website but yeah follow me at christy cello and that's c-h-r-i-s-t-i-c-h-i-e-l-l-o perfect i am looking at it um, but... <laughs> but still, you said it really confidently you're so good at reading <laughs> i'm so good at reading thank you for the words of affirmation i really appreciate it um becca's stevenson with a ph and i'm like if there's any chance that they're missing out on us because they don't know how to spell becca's last name or my first name i get s-i-d a lot then i want to make sure that's eliminated from the equation i like to hope that if you get that far into spelling my name it'll just tell you who i am (laughs) like but you know 
Maybe not. <laughs> well, you know, Becca, as a person who shares a name with a sports team, um, Christy, mm. in Sydney, Australia, they have a basketball team named the Sydney Kings. So, well, Becca with a PH. Actually, the PH is in Becca. So, if you're yeah, right, I'll Becca. Yeah, it's um, a beautiful name. Becca, where can we find you? You can find me on Instagram at the Becca Stevenson. That is Stevenson with a PH if you missed that whole spiel. And you can find me on TikTok and Twitter and YouTube shorts at the real underscore Becca. And you can find me, Sid King, SYD period the period king on instagram um you can i don't find me on letterboxd i we can talk about what we saw. <laughs> i saw Bo is afraid um and if anyone wants to talk about it um talk to a therapist first and then come see me it's pretty messed up and it's so long um <laughs> but also i highly recommend seeing paint it's getting it's getting bad reviews but go see it and we never record this into actual life events so i don't know why i'm spewing them right now um but Beyond that, you can follow us, Good Girls Gone Sad, on TikTok at Good Girls Gone Sad, on Instagram at Good Girls Gone Sad. Email us your Good Girl Glossary entries to goodgirlsgonesad at gmail.com. They might appear in a upcoming episode. And I and there's only a couple things left to say. <laughs> Thank you to our good friend Luke Lima. Um DJ Skip to My Luke. You can find him at Skip to My Luke underscore for our beautiful intro and outro music. It's literally a banger. Christy, when you listen to this episode, you're going to be like, whoa, that is some incredible intro and outro music. Yes. And <laughs> um, there's only finally now one actual last thing to say, and it is Jesus wouldn't Jesus call people, wouldn't call people, call people on the internet. <laughs> That's our catchphrase. If you want a crocco and or mug with that on it, Christy, we can hook you up. So just let us know. Yes, yes 100%. Thank you so much for having me, girls. This was a lot of fun. Thank you for coming on. Good luck. We're so excited yes. for you. Thank you. Thank you.